Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several of my friends this morning. We got Mr. Johnny Crypto, Gonzo, the Crypto Goliath, and a man who is known for interviewing the most prominent and influential players in the space, Tony Edward, also known as Thinking Crypto. So very excited for this episode today. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Fidelity and BlackRock are backing USDC with over $400 million. As Circle CEO Jeremy Allaire revealed their reserves consist of 100% U.S. assets, we break down the potential of USDC becoming the digital dollar. Flare Networks is set to go live this July, opening the door for DeFi within the XRP ecosystem, as Ripple's legal team is now hiring two new attorneys for its battle against the SEC. Hedera Network is integrating leading digital assets and stablecoins onto their blockchain, while VeChain looks poised for massive price appreciation as they're using DLT to change the supply chain forever. With 2023 being the year of institutional adoption, Kevin O'Leary is calling for bearish markets until after midterm elections and regulation for crypto. We'll also be speaking with our special guest on the evolution of digital assets, breaking down for our listeners why this next bull run will be one for the history books. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Tony, typically we'll start with Johnny Crypto on these types of days or Gonzo the Crypto Goliath, but we got to go to you first. Thank you for making time for us this morning. And how are you feeling on this Thursday? Well, thank you guys for having me. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here and uh, finally be on the show. And uh, hopefully it's the first of many appearances. I believe so, Tony. I definitely believe so. Johnny Crypto, we had Tony asking about another day in paradise for you. How are you feeling on this Thursday and how is it in paradise over there? Oh my God, it's so great to be on, on Abs's rear deck. I love the view. I've been trying to get him to come out here too. But first of all, to everybody out there, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there today. Great to see you guys. Great to see you, Abs and, and Gonzo. I'm super excited to have Tony here. I got to meet him at a link to event uh, a few weeks ago. 
and he was the most gracious and kindest guy you're ever going to meet. It was awesome. He's very knowledgeable and intelligent. So super happy to have you on here, Tony. Can't wait to dive into some crypto stuff, baby. Thank you for joining. I'm so excited to pick Tony's brain this morning. And you got to believe we brought the heat. We're going to talk about USDC, Ripple, VeChain, Cardano, you name it. We brought it today. But I'm going to kick it to the crypto Goliath this morning. Gonzo, I know it's cliche, but I got to ask you to flash the diamond hands gear. And how are you feeling this morning? Good morning, Abs, and good morning, everybody. Yeah, man, I'm just super excited to be here. I'm honored to be on the show with Tony. Uh, and uh, just uh, good morning to my wife, Shelly, who's been gone in Southern California. She's coming home tomorrow. So love you. Uh, and uh, just excited to be here today and to talk some crypto. Amazing. So we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by giving the Node Defender a shout out. I want to give a shout out to Mario this morning. He's behind the scenes making things happen in the background. So appreciate you, brother. We're going to hop this thing off the same way we always do by showing you guys our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account, at 3TGM Crypto. We will be live at 8 p.m. tonight for a Twitter Spaces, and those are always so much fun, so go check us out tonight. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is still sitting in extreme fear this morning. We've been ranging here for quite a while, and we're sitting at an 18, so I think it's fitting we go past that and right into the total market cap. We are sitting at $939 billion this morning. Bitcoin is 42% dominance. Ethereum is nearly 16%. Bitcoin is at $20,800 this morning, Ethereum $1,200, XRP is $0.33, cents. Cardano is $0.47, cents. Stellar just below $0.12, cents. and Hedera Hashgraph this morning still sitting at this $0.06 cent range. If there's any positives here, it's the fact that, well, it looks like we found a relative bottom. Tony, you put out an episode last night talking about the overall markets, right, and where we're headed. Typically, people are talking about a recovery bounce. I'd love to hear your opinion on that. What are you anticipating from the crypto market over these next six to eight months? Sure. So obviously we're in a bear market. We're in a down cycle and there's a lot of macroeconomic factors which could be catalysts to drive us further down. And that includes all markets, a lot of it coming from the Fed and so forth. But with that said, um, I think that we are nearing the bottom. And when I say the bottom, we could we could hit it, but still linger there for a while because we are in a bear market. There's not going to be much upward movement. However, we could see a bounce and some sort of small rally. And I likened it to 2019. We had the run-up in 2017, the correction in 2018, and then we saw a bounce in 2019. I think we could see something similar to that. Um, however, none of this is guaranteed, and we'll have to see how things play out with the macroeconomic factors with the Fed. Um, and Bitcoin could go further down. So in my mind, I'm preparing for different scenarios. I'm looking at, okay, 20,000 or so is the bottom. And then we start a small rally upwards. And then, you know, we make some money there. You could swing trade it and then go back down and hit new lows. Or we continue to go down and hit new lows as well. Um, th those are two scenarios I'm looking at. And I think this is such an exciting time to, for people to be getting involved in this market for one reason in particular. During 2017, the whole conversation was, are governments going to ever accept cryptocurrencies or are they going to wipe these things off and make them illegal? The biggest conversation we've had is that the fact that every time someone's tried to move away from the U.S. dollar, well, the U.S. government's gotten involved and there's actually been war. This is the first time that they're allowing an integration into another currency and into another ecosystem. What catches your attention here from a regulation standpoint? Are you bullish on United States regulation, or do you think this could be detrimental to the crypto market? I am bullish long term. However, due to politics um, and, and you know the midterm elections coming up and Democrats and Genser and so forth, there's a bit of uncertainty that things could get a bit worse before they get better. We're all in, waiting in anticipation to see the reports that are going to come back from the Biden crypto executive order. And I think I saw yesterday a report that a Bitcoin mining report will be uh, 
released by the Biden administration in a few weeks. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be any outright ban of crypto, but certainly regulations around stable coins, uh, crypto lending, and they're probably going to reiterate some of the environmental concerns as it relates to Bitcoin mining. But Bitcoin mining is not going anywhere. And the United States currently leads uh, all respective countries in that. They, they now have control of the hash rate um, with a, you know, a set of mining pools and the folks at uh, Digital Currency Group and so forth. So I am bullish long term, but there might be some pain ahead because guys like Gary Genser are going to use the, the situation with Celsius and Terra Luna and so forth to try to be very aggressive. But I think m more members of Congress from my conversations with different people at the Blockchain Association and so forth are understanding the dynamics of the market and what's ahead and the opportunity that's at play here. So, Tony, um, I know that as Congress is putting and passing around this proposed legislation, there is kind of some talk about Bitcoin maybe getting a free pass, being more like a commodity, and then everything else would be more assessed. Do you think that um, they will coexist? Do you think that they're going to Bitcoin is going to go more down the path of like a maybe digital gold store of value versus then and then and then and then how do you think that'll play versus the rest of the crypto market? Yeah, it's a great question, and and it's a big one. And uh, yeah. we've, we've seen guys like Gary Genser um, even backtrack from what his predecessors have said, that Ethereum is also a commodity, right? And I think the big part of that is because of the Ripple lawsuit. He does want to implicate himself and the rest of the SEC. Yep. But I think Bitcoin is in the clear. Um, we've seen time and time again, different folks have uh, come out and said, hey, Bitcoin is a commodity. Um, just because of the decentralized nature of the mining. Now, there's decentralization that exists for all coins as well, many different altcoins. Yes, some are securities. Yes, some are scams. But there are a lot of legitimate digital assets out there that need that clarity that are running on decentralized networks globally. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to tell what's going to happen here. I, it will have to come from Congress because I think the CFTC and the SEC will continue to butt heads and say, hey, you know, this is in our jurisdiction. And likewise, you know, it's going to be back and forth. But Congress has to come in and be the mediator and say, hey, here's this respective new updated test. Once these altcoins pass this test, they can move into the commodities bucket. And I think th that's the pathway. But politics plays a big factor, even though we're seeing bipartisan support for crypto. Uh, the midterm elections, I think, are, are going to play a big factor. You know, if Republicans take over, uh, uh, many of those folks who oversee the SEC, Tom Emmer and so forth, uh, you know, they, it, those folks get more control. I think we're going to see some faster progression. If the Democrats uh, stay in power, it may not be as fast as we want it to be. Yes. And one of the things that I'm looking at right now is the fact that they're giving a Bitcoin a free pass. They've given Ethereum a free pass, but they're attacking DeFi across the board. We're seeing more and more acceptance of other projects like Cardano, Solana, Polygon, all these other large DeFi networks. Well, Grayscale and BlackRock and Fidelity, they're starting to become more comfortable with these specific blockchains. But I do know that Gonzo had a question, so I wanted to give him the floor. Yeah. So like Tony mentioned earlier, you know, we're obviously in a bear market and it seems like every cycle there's always like a theme. And it seems the theme of this bear market has been um, what happened with Terra Luna, right? And the collapse and then the contagion that it spread and it affected Celsius and then BlockFi. And then now recently, um, uh, uh, which one someone uh, filed for bankruptcy on Friday. 
Yeah, you have three arrows capital. Voyager. And Voyager, yes, Voyager. Um, do you think that the worst of that contagion is over, or do you think that we might still see some after effects of that, and maybe where it affects maybe a major exchange to where that might push us further down, you know, in the next coming months? I think we've seen the worst of it. And the reason I say that is because just re- just this morning, we had an update from Celsius that they have paid back their loans and the liquidation price is now at $0. So Celsius really worried me uh, more than, let's say, BlockFi and some of the others, um, just because they have been less transparent. You know, BlockFi had al- already crossed the threshold of being, you know, fined by the SEC, $100 million. So, you know, that's to some level, their books were in order, despite needing the liquidity from FTX. However, Celsius, we weren't getting much details and they were being investigated. Um, So I'm glad that in some ways, and from what the information we have, they're at some level of stability. Hopefully it stays that way. Uh, I think a Celsius collapse will be detrimental to the market uh, in the short term. Long term, of course not. The market's going to rebound. Um, but I think to answer your question, we've seen the worst. And I don't think there's going to be any other major catalyst. Now, could there be a black swan event? That's something we did not see, you know, and, and no one was paying attention to? Sure. But I think uh, all the major bearish uh, black swan catalysts have kind of been addressed. And, and we're, we're seeing the bottom of it now. Amazing, Tony. And before we hop into our first article, I got to ask you about a black, black swan catalyst event that everyone's talking about in this market, and that is Tether, right? They haven't revealed their reserves, and people are getting more and more confident in other stablecoins like USDC. What do you feel about the implosion of Tether? Is that on the horizon, and what could that do to this market? You know, this has been an ongoing question and topic for years and years. And somehow, in some way, the folks at Tether come out on the side of not having you know a collapse or some major issue and i have to say i i was certainly a critic of tether and i would say rightfully so along with many others years ago because there wasn't a transparency to a certain degree but i've seen the folks there started to release in more information and after the new york attorney general investigation and define uh and they just kind of walked away with a slap on the wrist i was like you know what I, I don't think there's as much of a problem as, as people may think there is. And I understand why people think that because it's been operating in such a semi shady way for years, but I think they're in the clear. I think they got their books together after the, the, the or I say, I should say after the New York G- attorney general situation and, and they positioned themselves in a better place. Now that could change maybe next year right? Uh, because they're not under the same type of regulation as a USDC. So I think it's a kind of a wait and see, but I do think their books are in order now based on research and, and what took, you know, took place with the New York attorney general. Yeah. I almost, I totally agree with you, Tony. There's no way in the world that, you know, when UST crashed, did we get a nine month notice when Celsius crashed? Did we get a nine month notice? No, they don't give you notices when they're going to rug pull you. Right. And they've been talking about Tether. I've been in this for a year and a half. I've been hearing about how bad Tether is. They're going to yank it. So I totally believe that's why it won't. Um, it's kind of almost used as their like you know, right arm for a printing press, right? Like the yeah. they're always printing when they need it and buying more Bitcoin to prop up the market. So I totally agree with you. I think Tether is not going to be the one. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's something else that they're telling you is safe. And then one day we're like, what? So for me, that's what I'm looking out for. I, I just, you're right. I agree with you there. I think Tether is not going to be the one. 
It's just too it, – it would be too easy for that to be the one. I feel like with Tether, it was one of these things where when they started out, they didn't probably have the backing that they said they did. But like Tony right. said, as they've developed and as they've gained assets, they've been able to kind of cover themselves. And like you said, that, that I'd forgotten about that huge investigation that New York City did. And so that, that's probably right, that, that now we don't know where that line is, where they all of a sudden would get into trouble, right? But I, I think that they've done a lot to back themselves up. I'm yeah, and, and there's some big players behind Tether. And I think after that investigation, they probably just made sure everything was good. They probably got the capital, like you said, that's needed, right? Because it wasn't there before. So I, I think they're in better shape now. And when I you know speak to some of the people in the industry, um, uh, some big players, institutional players, they, they've done some uh, research on their end. And they said, it seems their books are in order right now. It's very interesting because we've seen so many crypto hedge funds starting to take out shorts on Tether. It's very alarming, but we do have 165 live listeners out there. Show us some love and smash that like button. We have a very special guest this morning. So of course, we brought the most relevant and impactful crypto information. We're going to start this thing off with a little bit of FUD for you guys because we want to talk about emotionally managing yourself during these turbulent times. When markets are bullish, everyone's bullish, right? They're telling you to get involved in these things. They're telling you to buy these new products. But when these blockchains are on an 80% discount, they're telling you to stay away from this market. And I think there's a reason for that. We're going to let this clip play and then get comments from the group. Here we go. So, I mean, look, right now, it looks like that everything's bad. And I'm not going to deny that every asset class is getting hurt. Uh, the one I'm most interested in is crypto. Because a lot of people are in crypto. And crypto really does seem to be imploding. But it goes from $3 trillion to $1 trillion. Why should it stop at $1 trillion? There's no real value there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, NFTs. I mean, you, know, you look at these companies, there's these companies that you never heard of, and they blew up over the weekend. And you just say to yourself, holy cow, there's $600 million just going down the drain. Uh, we had Gary Gensler, the chairman, on a few weeks ago, and he just said, look, anybody who has a come-hither rate uh, of investment, you just you know it's the rate that you earn, you can kind of forget about it. And that's what's happening. All right. Tony, I'd love to start off with you and then kick it to Johnny Crypto here because we know that Jim Cramer has, a, he, first of all, he was bearish. Then the bull run came around. He told everybody, I'm buying Bitcoin, I'm buying Ethereum. He got into these currencies at extremely high prices. Now that the bear market's around, he's telling retail investors, don't trust cryptocurrency. There's no underlying value here. What do you have to say about these statements and what could this indicate to us about where we are in the market cycle? Oh boy, Jim Cramer has become a meme now. <laughs> It's 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 hilarious. Uh, I think just the other week he was tweeting about Nike and how it looks great. And the next few days it started tanking, <laughs> and it's kind of a meme now of like do the contrary the contrary of what Jim Cramer says, right? Do the opposite of what he says, and because he's putting out information for the masses. So something like this with, with these very bearish statements coming out from Jim Cramer, he's taking the time to emphasize how bad NFTs are and so forth. That's it. Just seems like a bullish signal. But I'm, when I say a bullish signal, more of a reversal may be coming. And it's along the lines of what we touched on at the beginning of the show, and that we could see a rally, small rally, not to new all-time highs, and, uh, and and we can make some money on a swing trade, right? But uh, look, there could still be some pain ahead before we see that reversal, and it could tie in with the Fed and the economy and midterm elections. So all these different factors and a narrative being formed. But when Jim Cramer does something like this, and, and he's super bearish on crypto now, it makes me bullish. But it could also be something that I've talked about before, and that is he's putting out more sell pressure because they're shorting. Uh, that's also another scenario. Yeah. 
The problem yes. with Jim is Jim is probably one of the biggest lion rat snake weasels we've got in this world. He's at the top of my rat snake weasel list. Him and Gensler, they're like tied for the top. I'm still arguing, still trying to figure out which one should be up there. But, you know, these guys are out there. They know that a lot of people are paying attention to what they say. And because of that, they can manipulate. They literally manipulate the market just by telling you which way to go. And it's sad because a lot of people lose money following these guys. So if you want to lose your money, follow Jim Cramer. If you want to make some money, I, I do exactly what Tony said. Do the opposite. The problem is, you're right, Tony. You never know. Sometimes they have to put out some truths to build credibility, so you believe them. But 90% of the time, they're gonna they're gonna rug pull you. And it is gonna be interesting to see which way they want to move the market, uh, whether it's up or down. It does look like from the, some of the trend lines. I believe I've actually been saying the same thing as you. I think we're gonna get a short little rally here because we've had a a major what three, four, five month kind of negative bearish trend i think we will get a short little pump maybe in july ish august time from as people come back from vacation and want to the elites are going to want to prep and get in before all the, the the people come back right so they can have all their positions bought up i think we'll see that and then i think you're right i think we're headed for some very very bad news from october all the way through to next year i think it's going to be we haven't even had the housing crash news yet it's going to be really really ugly when we start to see that and you got all those people out there with the arm mortgages which are interest rate adjustable and those are going to reset and that's just going to drive so you're right there's a ton of bad news i think still coming gonzo i'd love to go to you here because i'm showing a chart that i actually found from watching tony's video last night and i'm a big advocate of show me the chart and i'll tell you the news every single time we're in a bullish market we're going to get bullish sentiment they're going to be on the news talking about the long-term utility of these assets and every time these things are at a discount and by these things i mean cryptocurrencies they're going to tell you to stay away from this market and that the worst is yet to come where do you feel we are in this cycle now and how accurate do you feel this, you know, it's all theoretical, but this price chart is here. Um, you know, I'm, I, I like to lean into because they haven't been disproven yet is the four year cycles, right? Until we get some information that they're not working anymore. Uh, like this year we had the all time high thing where we finally broke that. Right. So I'm going to lean on that. I, I look at it in levels, right? Like I think I, I agree with everybody that I think we're going to get <clears throat> a short term rally. So I'm looking at levels, like looking at, you know, can we get to 21.5 from 21.5 to 23 and then at the most 25, right? So that's kind of what I'm looking at. I don't day trade as much, but I just look at it as where I can pick my spots to keep DCA because I DCA over a long period of time. But I, I do believe in the Bitcoin having in the four-year cycles until we completely get away from that, then I'm just going to go with what history has shown us. And Tony, before we dive into the meat and potatoes of the crypto market and get into all the fundamentals happening in the background, I'd love to just put you on the spot here. We talk about these four-year cycles constantly. Anytime anybody's entered this market and been willing to hold the currency for four years, they've made massive profits. And I don't think this time is any different. When do you think we could experience that next bull run? Even if it is in 2025, I'd love for you to inform our listeners about what you're anticipating. Sure. And like Gonzo said, uh, I'm in agreement with that. The four-year cycles are the the roadmap right now, right? To navigate uh, the crypto market at least. And it hasn't failed yet. You know, that could certainly change over time. And what this research has shown is that the capital flows into Bitcoin. You usually, usually see Bitcoin have massive pumps, the media hype and so forth. And then that capital flows to all coins. So, uh, you know, as far as the next bull market and bull run up, I, I think it's going to be around the next halving. So, you know, you're 2024 into 2025. And as Gonzo said, you know, it's this time period 
when there's blood on the streets, it's great time to DCA. I am personally buying, you know, it's not financial advice. Everybody has to make sure they uh, do their own risk assessment and based on, you know, their financial situation and living conditions, but I am buying a dip. It's what has made me money historically buying in 2018, 2019. And then I made profits in 2020 into 2021. And I know I have friends and buddies and who've been in the market since 2011. They've made money that same way. And it's, uh, it, it's an opportunity, even though there's a lot of fear out there. But when you step back and you look at this situation, right, there, there's always the sensationalized headlines. Oh, my God, it's Armageddon, the end of the world. This time we're all going to zero. No, if that was to happen, civilization would collapse. The markets always go into bear and they return to bull, right? And, and, and once again, it, it, yes, if an asteroid hits the world and a meteor hits the world, whatever, right? That's that's the worst case scenario. But if we're just talking about markets correcting, it's the same cycles playing out over and over and over. And if an asteroid hits the world, I'm pretty sure the least of my concerns is going to be my XRP or Bitcoin. But one of the things that we can always talk about is the narratives and how these these cycles, nothing's changed, right? Every single time we're bullish, we get the bullish headlines. Every single time we're bearish, we get the bearish headlines. And in understanding that, you're not going to get flooded out of this market. And that's why we always reiterate that on our channel. We do have 210 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you're looking for our special guest on Twitter, well, I'll throw that up on the screen right now because he's got over 100, I don't even know how many followers. He's got 180,000, I believe. So please go check him out. We're going to dive into our first article for today, which is a USDC article. Circle looks to reaffirm its commitment to transparency as USDC market shares soar. With so much uncertainty in the market, and we briefly discussed this earlier, everyone is anticipating a US tether collapse and they're getting more comfortable with USDC. So Circle has sought to reaffirm its commitment to openness and security in a blog post published on Tuesday. They added that other financial institutions offer fraudulent promises of preserving user money only to abandon them when times get tough. And that's exactly what USDC is not trying to do here. He also explained how the firm protects its USDC coin, emphasizing that Circle does not own these assets and that they are 100% by USDC holders. That means that they are not operating like a bank. If you deposit $100 into USDC, into a bet, into, uh, sorry, into Circle, they're going to hold that crypto asset. Whereas if you deposit $100 US into a bank, they're going to take that money and lend it out and earn interest on your money. So this is what's very interesting here is that it reduces risk by them not lending out your cash. Tony, how do you feel about USDC? We talked about the potential collapse of Tether. Let's put that to the side for now and talk about the sustainability of USDC. We saw BlackRock and Fidelity give them $200 million, totaling $400 million each just a couple months ago. What does this say to you about the potential for USDC to become the digital dollar? Man, they are building a very strong case. And I remember interviewing Jeremy Allaire and I outright asked him the question, you know, what could potentially uh, USDC be added as or become the digital dollar? And he kind of changed the topic very quickly. Now, I may be overreading it, you know, and I don't want to put it out there that Jeremy is saying that. But uh, and then I see the groundwork that they're laying and the lobbying they're doing and working with regulators and big time investors, as you mentioned, I think there is a strong case that the USDC could become a, a the digital dollar because the infrastructure is there. You have a regulated entity um, who, who has connections to massive uh, uh, investing companies. And these folks are not just going to put their money into something that they know doesn't have the green light. 
or that there is a high level of risk. We're talking about BlackRock here, right? They're not just going to pour money into a, a company like that. And then I see guys like Kevin O'Leary going around talking about the returns on lending out your USDC and the yield you can earn and so forth. So I think the narrative and as well as the physical groundwork is being laid out here. And I might be wrong, but I think it's possible. And especially that it's uh, USDC is being launched on different blockchains as well. Uh, they're, they're not just you know specific to one blockchain. They're all over the place now. Johnny Crypto Circle says they hold 80% of their USDC reserves in U.S. Treasury bills and 20% in cash within the U.S. banking system. We always talk about this game of misdirection. Could this be another example of them leading us into a project they plan to collapse? Or do you feel more confident than ever now that they've revealed these reserves? That's what worries me is I feel great. I, I love it. Everything I read, everything I see, I go, wow, this feels awesome. I agree with Tony. It feels like it even got the right letters, USDC, United States Dollar Crypto. I mean, it's perfect, right? Everything sounds great. It looks great, smells great. That's when they rug pull you. So I don't trust nothing. I don't trust them. Um, I, I, I totally can see the argument of why it could be. But again, this is what they do. They give you that warm, good, fuzzy feeling, and then bam, they smack you upside the head. So hard to say. We're going to have to wait and see. Um, but I do agree with Tony. You got a lot of big players in it. Ones that, let's face it, we know that BlackRock, what, $10 trillion in assets uh, under their control. So they are the ones that call the shots. And if they decide USDC is going to be the dollar, then it's going to be the U.S. digital dollar. And here's what I love about cryptocurrency today. Although there's volatility, although there's uncertainty, we're sitting at $930 billion in total market cap. We've got Fidelity handling over $11.3 trillion in assets. It just goes to show how small this market really is and how far we're going to go. Gonzo, what does this article say to you about USDC? And how do you feel about the sustainability of crypto, especially now that we're gaining credibility throughout this bear market? Well, yeah, as far as USDC, um, I could definitely see it becoming uh, you know, the digital dollar. Um, I think compared to Tether, um, it still has the ways to go with total market cap, but it seems to be the chosen one, right? Um, it seems to be the one that is coming out. And, and it, especially in this time right now, the theme, we've talked about narratives in the different bear markets. Like the first one was the Mt. Gox, and then there was a bit stamp in the next one. It seems like this will be the Terra Luna collapse, and it'll be a whole like fear narrative. So it seems like it's the most transparent, right? So we'll see what, what, what happens. I think it has a ways to go, but um, definitely... What I can say is this, is just diversify your risk, right? If you, if, you, if you vibe with what Johnny's saying and you think there's a possibility that they could rug pull us, then make sure you don't put everything into USDC, right? Have some stuff into USD Tether, right? Or if you believe that, you know, don't put it all into Tether. Have it, have it um, you know, have some USD maybe, some USDT and some USDC so that you diversify that risk. So if something does go wrong, then you don't get totally wiped out. Exactly. And I think that's a perfect time to dive into our next article for today, which is that Cardano NFTs are going to be available for, sorry, Cardano is allowing NFT loans for anyone who has NFTs on their protocol. So this is very exciting news because while the DeFi industry on chains like Solana and Ethereum has been extremely depressing over these last few months, Cardano developers are more happy than ever to present their own solutions. And one of those projects offers loans backed by Cardano NFTs. NFT-backed loans are unique are not unique to the feature presented by Cardano only. Ethereum and Solana blockchain are offer, also offering similar products. Back in the era of the booming NFT market, we saw tons of these projects get overinflated and massively overhyped, but now we're seeing the realistic downfall of this market. 
One of the things that we're going to be watching for Cardano is the Vasil fork, which will be implemented this month and will be one of the most disruptive updates for the network since they added staking. The Vasil fork is going to make it extremely easy to improve the network, lowering the cost of transactions and allowing developers to build more sophisticated solutions on this platform. With so much development happening in Cardano, we're also watching Grayscale continuing to purchase Cardano in very large quantities. And we've been covering that on our channel. How do you feel about the long-term sustainability of Cardano, Tony? And what are you anticipating from these larger DeFi projects going forward? Yeah, you know, years ago, I was not a fan of Cardano. And I kind of fell into the trap and narrative of the Ethereum folks who are bashing Charles Hoskinson and uh, Cardano. But then I started doing my research and I interviewed Charles a few times and I started understanding how he was uh, building his vision. And while other projects seem to be fast tracking things, he's taking the slow, steady growth route. And I think that's paying off. And while, you know, the, the FUD's going to be out there, oh, Cardano isn't doing anything. They're so slow to move, get things done. Charles is a crazy guy and whatever. But I think we're going to see Cardano come out as one of the winners. And they're doing some, you know, big things in Africa, uh, across different countries in Africa. And I love these updates that are happening. And the fact that they're enabling this uh, with NFTs and that you can, um, you know, lend it out and so forth. I think this is big. And I think, I think the slow, steady approach to make sure things actually work is going to pay off well for Cardano in the end. And we're focused on sustainability in this market because that's what's going to provide the most success. It's not about getting all this price appreciation in a short period of time. We want to see this long-term sustainable growth and development behind the scenes. Then we get the real-world utility and we can understand why these assets are appreciating in value instead of it being, oh, it's a bull run, Bitcoin 70K, Cardano's now $3, right? And that's what gets me excited is that all this development's happening behind the scenes and it's yet to be implemented in the real world Johnny Crypto, what catches your attention about Cardano? And do you think this could ever be a legitimate competitor to Ethereum? I, I mean, you know how much I love Cardano. I've been talking about it for years. There's no better guy to solve a problem than the guy who created the problem. And we know he worked at Ethereum, knows where the dead bodies are, knows where the pro problems are. You know, being in the technology field, I know when I design something, my next iteration is always better than my first one because I'm going to fix problems that I, I missed the first time around because I was trying to solve another problem. So I truly believe that that he's doing it right. I love Charles. I love how he's taking his time going slow. Look what happened when you don't go slow. Look at Solano. They decided not to go slow, and they're paying the price for it. In terms of this, though, that article, pull that article back up. as that headline there where we talk about NFT loans. This has me a little concerning, and I'll tell you why. There are a lot of children, younger folks, investing in NFTs. And if they're going to allow NFTs loans you know uh, being able to take a loan out on your nft there's going to be a lot of what we call you know reserve so whenever you kind of loan against yourself you could get a margin call and nfts are so unstable and they move up like crazy up and down so much it could you could see a scenario where the, when the markets pump these nfts are going to go high up in price kids are going to take loans out them not realizing that when they drop there's going to be a margin call and you're going to lose your nft so i i just think that it's a risky, it's a risky thing. I think when people get into this, we always say on the show, you need to do your research, you need to do your homework. But I do think this is going to lead to a lot of people losing their NFTs if they go to take those loans when the markets are overinflated. Yeah, uh, if I could add to that, yeah, Johnny's one hundred percent right. I don't really take loans, but if you're going to take loans, 
like the time to do it is in the bear market. It is when the prices are completely suppressed, right? Um, not not when all the full hype is in, because then when they correct, that's when you get uh, margin call, you get liquidated. So, um, you know, do your own research. Uh, but if you own one of these NFTs, you know, if you're going to do it, it, it's in a downward cycle so that um, the price is moving up, not moving down so that you don't get margin called. But um, it's funny because, you know, Johnny was out, you know, I'm a big fan of ETH, but I got on to got into Cardano because of Johnny, because he was always talking about it. And I started doing my research, but that upgrade is huge right as far as usability and then being able to build more sophisticated apps onto it um and and like you said charles hoskinson is very very to me he's very very transparent he has all his podcasts he's always giving updates and and you're kind of see where they're going and and i think you're right i think tony's right i think in the end um they're they're going to show that their way of doing it was 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 the right way yeah and and the way I look at Charles, we got the rat snake weasel list, and then we got the hit list, hot, you know, honesty, integrity, and trust. And that's where, where I put Charles. He's high up on that list. He comes out and tells you like it is. He's not afraid to say it. He goes to Congress. He tries to provide solutions. The guy truly is a, a pioneer in this space, and we should all pray that he's successful because I think it'll lift the whole category. A quick, quick note on the uh, NFT loans. Um, absolutely right, Johnny and, and Gonzo. Just I, you know, I never even thought about the kids aspect of it and, and the risk that that presents. So I think maybe regulations, there are probably going to be regulations around that. Yeah. Um, macro perspective, long term, though, this is just a tip of the iceberg because with tokenization of real estate and yes. different collectibles and assets, just imagine if you have a rare car or, ba- or baseball, baseball card, excuse me, uh, and you can lend that out, you know, the NFT version or whatever it may be. There's just a lot of limitless possibilities and the, and the ability to get uh, capital in the future that was never possible, you know, except going to a pawn shop or something. <laughs> well, Tony, it's funny that you say that because it's kind of like that concept. But the nice thing is you get to extract the value out of some, it unlocks the value, right, of all the potential that's sitting up in our attics. I got baseball cards from 1970. It's, and you're right. You bring up a great point they're probably worth something and maybe, you know, people will be able to start to extract it because everything in their mother is going to be tokenized. Your socks will be, Tony, your socks will be tokenized. So (laughs) make sure you sell them things, but you're right. I do think there's a great potential here. And then the, but with any great potential, there's always this risk. Right. And I think because children are high into this space, it's going to come down to just making sure that they're educated or regulation helps to protect them. Tony, one of the things that we always are discussing is we're watching the adoption of digital assets become mainstream, right? And even though we've seen the mainstream adoption of digital assets, it's almost like all that innovation got wiped away because of the bearish price action we've been experiencing. But behind the scenes, we are seeing more innovation than ever. We published a report, we reported something yesterday from Bank of America that showed 50% of crypto users have left the market in the last six months. And I use that as a bullish indicator because what it tells me is that most of the players who came in for the wrong reasons came in to make short-term cash. Well, they left highly disappointed and they've left the market along with their short-term sentiment. So now we have all these long-term utility investors. Where do you think we are, not only in this current market cycle, but from an adoption standpoint, when do you think we can see some of the real-world implementation of the blockchain technologies we're witnessing now? Sure, it's a great question. Um, You know, we have started seeing some of that but it's a very small amount. It's a very small amount. And I think part of what's holding up more adoption is regulations, lack of regulatory clarity. There are many companies and institutions out there that want to integrate, let's say Cardano or something else. And even if it's a decentralized network where, you know, there's not the the risk of a centralized collapse or whatever it may be, 
they just don't want to touch it, right? Risk and compliance because they don't want to get dinged. They don't want to get hit by uh, Gary Genser coming with some enforcement action. So I think that is slowing us up a bit. But I, you know, looking back to when I got into the market in 2016, man, we have fast tracked uh, at, at a pretty fast rate, um, and it's exciting to see that. I look back and I'm, I'm like, wow. Look at the things that are happening now. You know, back in, in 2016, 2017, if, I don't think people could even fathom uh, some of the things that were going to happen. Let's say mass mutual buying Bitcoin or Google working with Hedera, whatever it may be, right? Uh, and, and Ripple and what they've done. And uh, even Ethereum uh, with uh, Ernst & Young and, and different corporates that have started to uh, build on these blockchains. So I think over the next five years, we're going to see uh, more adoption than we've ever seen before. I, I think we've hit a certain level where the, the snowball is picking up momentum going down that hill, right? And it's, it's just getting uh, larger and larger and it's going faster. So I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen over the next five years. I, I think we're going to get the regulations sooner than later and uh, things are going to move at a very fast pace. Yeah, yep. Tony, it's funny you said that. We actually talk about on this show, we kind of compare it to the internet adoption and we looked at charts in 1996 and when it really began to take off, was right after regulation started to happen. And we think the same. That's why everybody's super excited about this crypto space, right? And I wasn't involved in the 2013 and 2017 bulls markets, so I can't comment on those. But I, I think, you know, your experience and you being there, I think what's interesting in this one, we are actually seeing, there was no talk about Congress doing adoption in 2017 or 2013, right? Oh, yeah. But now you see it. It's really a different phase. We are moving into real world use case utility and solves. And I think that's what makes this exciting is now I think also we're going to see a shit ton of these coins get wiped out and they probably rightfully should, but the real ones are going to survive. And those that do, those will be the next Amazons and Googles and Microsofts of the world. And we all have a chance to invest in these things. Someday we're going to tell grandchildren like, Hey, I bought XRP for 11 cents. And like, what? What? When it's like, maybe, you know, so like, you know, who knows? Amazon $3,000, right? So the point being is, yeah, it's super exciting times. Totally agree with you. I think the key to unlocking everything, though, is regulation. Good or bad, I don't think it'll matter because I think in the long run what's going to happen is they'll pass it. Companies will do their research on what the regulation is, and then they'll stay within those guidelines, and that will unlock the the the, the floodgates so that now everybody grayscale, Fidelity, can start investing all their 401ks and ETFs in BTC and these other plays, and I think that's going to just drive everything up. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are to that. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, regulations are the key. And, you know, sometimes it does worry me that the U.S. is moving too slow because this asset class, it's not like Google based in the United States in 1995. Right. Any country can tap into these blockchains and companies. There, there's, no, there's no restrictions. that they're on, they're on a decentralized network. If I want to tokenize something on the XRP ledger, in, in Cambodia, I can certainly do that um, as a company. So that is where sometimes I'm worried, but then I, I, I'm I like, okay, uh, I think the US, I, I'm optimistic that the US is going to get this right and we'll, we're going to see it sooner than later. And uh, it, like you said, the, the regulations are the key. And, and I think the flood, floodgates are going to open once we get clear regulations. And so just to outline why regulation is going to be so important going forward, we can look at Fidelity as a great example where they said they'd be allocating up to 20% of their 401ks in Bitcoin going forward 
strategies like that are what's going to change this game for the long term, right? Once we even get 1% to 2% of portfolio allocation into digital assets from our traditional financial system, $930 billion is going to be a drop in the bucket when we talk about the total market cap. And I look at Kathy Woods as an example of this. When she was talking about the development of Bitcoin and where it could be about 10 years from now, she said it would only take about 2.5% of institutional money to push Bitcoin over seven figures. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that, Tony. Regulation is going to create the rules and guidelines for institutions and banks to adopt these assets. But how much institutional money do you think will be needed to push us to where we think we're going to go? One thing I'm I'm personally looking at, I think will be huge once it is uh, standardized. And that is the energy companies that are currently exploring the likes of Exxon using the excess energy to mine Bitcoin. And they're going to monetize that wasted energy. And I think uh, like the, the likes of Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy and Tesla and MassMutual, um, we're going to see more corporates start putting Bitcoin in their balance sheet. And, you know, as far as the number, it's 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 hard to tell. Um, and I, I think because it's not just the corporates in the United States, but I look at Bitcoin and the crypto market as a global asset class. And what if a company in Hong Kong decides to do that? So you know, as far as the number, I'm I'm honestly not sure, but I think as we get more adoption from these companies to, to put on their balance sheet, we're going to see easily uh, that that Bitcoin price. And as energy companies start monetizing uh, energy w- within Bitcoin and mining it, um, it's it's just it's going to be easy, I think. Now, yes, uh, I, I know I just said it's going to be easy, but there's going to be you know probably hurdles and things that we have to uh, get over, but. I don't think it's going to be, I should, let me back up. If we were having this conversation in 2016, I'll be like, man, that looks so hard. I don't know if that's possible. I don't, man, it doesn't even look that way. But now just because the door has been opened by uh, energy companies and certain corporates like Tesla and so forth, I, I think it's, it's going to be easy in the next five to six years to see that. Um, and th- there's also the, the other aspect of it is, uh, I lost my trend of thought there. Apologize, guys. I'll come back. Okay, it's happened to me several times this episode. (laughs) I'd love to switch gears if that's okay, Tony, because we haven't addressed the Ripple XRP case, and that's what the majority of our attention will go to on days like these because we talk about the innovation happening behind the scenes on the XRPL. We had the news from Columbia last week saying that they'd be integrating land sales onto their platform. We've got smart contracts in the work. We've got NFTs with XLS 30D now being implemented fairly soon. How do you feel about the real-world utility of the XRPL specifically? Are you like us? Are you a bull when it comes to XRP? You see all the utility going on behind the scenes. And the follow-up question I'd love for you to answer is we're watching a lawsuit go on right now. And everybody is worried about the resolution. What's going to happen? Are we going to be deemed a security? Are we going to be deemed a commodity? One of the things that I continue to reiterate is regardless of what happens with the lawsuit, even if we're not allowed to operate within our U.S. borders, Ripple is going to continue to thrive overseas, whether it's Europe, Japan, Singapore, all of these different locations are adopting the XRP technology. And we actually showed an article from Japanese banks saying that by 2025, the XRPL is going to be the leading reason that money is transferred between banks in Japan. How do you feel about XRP overall? And what are your thoughts on the lawsuit? I am still very bullish on XRP and, you know, uh, an amazing thing, despite this lawsuit, XRP is still in the top 10 is being delisted from us exchanges and it's still in the top 10. What, you know, I think any other coin would have probably fell to number 50, right? It would not have been there, but it just shows the adoption and the groundwork that was laid 
Um, and then you have like banks like SBI in Japan, Mr. Yoshitaka Kitao and so forth. And I, I've interviewed Adam Trademan, uh, CEO of SBI Ripple Asia, and they are making an effort to just push adoption and get things going. Um, so I'm still bullish on it. It's great to see the XRP ledger being adopted. And I, I know in my conversations with guys like David Schwartz and just folks at Ripple, uh, sometimes uh, even he has you know concerns that they didn't move fast enough or they didn't jump on certain opportunities soon enough. But I think they're catching up and like XLS 20 getting NFT uh, support in place on the XRP, the XRP ledger, I think it's great, right? And to have more tokenization, uh, you mentioned the land registry in Colombia. I think that's huge. Uh, real estate on the blockchain, title deeds and so forth is going to be huge uh, just for verifiability and trust. And with the SEC lawsuit, um, I, I'm of the personal belief that Ripple is going to win this from my own research and the things I'm seeing and the the, the position that Gary Gensler and the SEC are in right now, whether it be the conflicts of interest and trying to save face, not to mention the pressure that's coming from members of Congress. It seems like every month or so, there's a new congressman uh, coming out of the woodwork and sending a letter to Gary Gensler saying, hey, what is going on here? And that makes me optimistic. I got to ask you, Tony, how do you get a hold of such high-end top-tier guests on your show? Because it's very interesting, and I'd love to apply some of those concepts to our program here because you have interviewed some of the most prominent names in the crypto industry, David Schwartz, Brad Garlinghouse, the Winklevoss twins. You just said, was it Brian Armstrong or, or Jeremy Allaire? You said another big name, so I'd love to hear some of your insight. What have you learned by speaking with some of the smartest players in this market about where we're headed, even in the short term? What are they talking about behind the scenes? Oh, sure. So I think right now bull or bear market. These guys are heads down building. And, you know, guys like Jeremy Allaire of Circle, um, he was part of the internet uh, boom. Him and his brother, they were successful uh, internet.com entrepreneurs. So I think it's good to get an idea, get the history behind some of these folks who are here. I think that's important because some of them have gone through uh, the dot-com boom, um, the social media tech boom, and they've been building. So they see the same opportunity here as entrepreneurs and they are heads down building. So they are certainly bullish. And as far as getting guests, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just as persistent as possible. Try to find angles. You know, social media has democratized the ability to communicate with folks and, and get in touch with them. So uh, and I think maintaining a certain level of credibility as well, not going, look, there's crypto YouTubers out there to do super hype, right? Like XRP, $10,000 next XRP week. to 589. <laughs> that's, you know, that's probably going to scare away a lot of people who want to just talk about the industry and building. Exactly. And Johnny, I'd love to see if you have any closing questions here when it comes to Ripple. We talk about it every day on our show. And it's one of the projects that we are most bullish on over these next few years, but it may not come until a resolution of this lawsuit. What's on your mind, Johnny? So I guess for Tony, I guess the question I have is, you know, there's a lot of talk that Ripple would, well, when I got into the space that Ripple was going to be <clears throat> the one that all the CBDCs were going to run on. And since then, what I'm starting to feel is like, yeah, it's kind of probably going to be more of a mismatch of different technologies uh, running the whole entire CBDC system. Now, I know Japan absolutely loves XRP. Asia has been a big adopter of it. And I think in Japan, it's going to do well. The question I have is, who do you think? Will, so I think in Japan, XRP will be the central bank rails. In the U.S., I'm not so convinced yet. And I'm curious, do you have any insights on who you think might be the rails for the U.S. central bank uh, uh, CBDC? 
Boy, I, I, I've tried to get a bit of a hint or breadcrumbs from uh, uh, the, the, oh boy, the former mm -hmm. CFTC chairman, Chris Giancarlo, mm -hmm. uh, who is part of the Digital Dollar Project. You know, I've asked him, asked him multiple times, multiple times, are you going to be building a proprietary blockchain? Or are you going to use one out there? <laughs> of course, he did not want to answer that. Damn. <laughs> Damn. That's what we want to know. Come yeah. on, some crumbs. <laughs> but, but to yeah. your point, um, it's going to be a multi-chain world. And I think yeah. different countries are going to use different blockchains for CBDCs. I know Algorand is being piloted for CBDCs and, and many others. But that actually is a great thing because you need a, a neutral digital asset to bring interoperability because how do these different currencies on different blockchains communicate with each other? It still shows the, uh, the use case and the value of an XRP. And I know folks at Ripple, uh, even Brad and, and some former employees have talked about CBDCs. Okay, great. But you still need that bridge asset, right? And, and I think there's a lot of FUD out there. People saying, see, CBDCs and stable coins, you don't need XRP. Sure, within the United States, you don't need XRP to move money if you have stable coins. Yeah, but cross-border, different currencies on different blockchains, you absolutely still need a neutral asset. And Tony, yeah. one of the things that we can look at right here is that the Fedwire actually announced that they will not be implementing the new ISO 20022, or as Mario says, 20,022 format until March 10th of 2025. Previously, this was supposed to be implemented in November of 2023, and now they've pushed it out to March of 2025. I'm actually okay with this approach. I'd rather see them go slow and methodical, doing things correctly and creating sustainability in the long term. But you brought up something very important. We're going to have central bank digital currencies. It's not even up for debate at this point. The Federal Reserve has announced that Fed Live will go live in 2023, and that's going to be a CBDC within the United States. But you're still going to need to transfer that CBDC into an intermediary currency to get it across borders. So we'll go United States Central Bank digital currency into a blockchain like XRP, send that value, and then return it back into a European CBDC. How do you feel about the real world implementation of these ISO protocols? And what are some of the coins within this ecosystem that you're bullish on? Yeah, you know, I was actually surprised they pushed it back, but I understand there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, and and you know, just trying to combat in, inflation and uh, and look, there's a lot of political things right happening, and which we don't we don't have to touch on, but um, certainly the government is busy right now, um, and I know a lot of them are the, the folks in government and politicians and so forth. They're going to be on a break with the elections coming up. A lot of them are going to be campaigning and so forth. Um, so it's like you said, it's better they get this right and do it right and take the slow, steady approach and certainly shows that we're headed to a very different world and, and the digit, digit, digitization and tokenization and uh, the, the blockchains and the folks who adopt this, I think, will be certainly in the good graces of these governments and, and being able to implement what they uh, are looking to do. So, uh, you know, certainly bullish on all of these things happening and, and the move to that tokenization. Yes. And one of the things that we just talked about was how Ripple partnered with the Digital, Found Pound, Digital Pound Foundation to work on central bank digital currencies. And either way, regardless of what happens with CBDCs, we know the financial system, it's going digital. This is a process of evolution. And we've come into an environment where dollars are so devalued that a $100 bill, it's not what it used to be. I remember when I was growing up just in the early 2000s, if you had a $100 bill, 
that meant something. Now I can have a wallet full of $100 bills. It really, my grocery bill is over $200. So it really doesn't say much. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on inflation, putting crypto to the side. We're looking at a macroeconomic uh, situation where we could possibly be going into stagflation because of all the US dollars that were printed during 2020. Now we're in an environment where the Fed is clearly not only going to stop printing, they're going to be pulling money out of the economy, which could push us into further bear market. What are some of your thoughts on the potential of inflation? Do you think we're going to go into a deflationary environment or do you think we're going to have a stagflation where a lot of these assets, they just continue to go up in price? I think they're, we're in a debt-based system that they can't stop and they have to keep going. As much as you know, you may hear folks talk about fiscal responsibility and so forth, and sometimes that's politicized, the machine of printing money, when they took us off the gold standard, you can't stop it. It has to keep going. Now, could they do some ultimate debt jubilee reset or something like that? Sure. Will it happen in our lifetimes? I don't know. And that's that's a big question, right? But I think we're going to continue to see the same old story. Uh, and we've seen inflation before, right? It's tail as old as time since they took us off of the gold standard. And it's going to have to continue because the country, the, the economy won't be able to function. And yes, they made it worse by, you know, printing uh, more money than they've ever done in the history of the United States. And then obviously the Fed has been buying more assets and, and propping up the market, of course. So I think we're going to continue to see more of that. I don't know if a CBDC solution, once they introduce it, will help fix this or it just is the same old story. You know, could could they in certain ways, eliminate the need to print as much money? Sure. Uh, but I think the system has to keep going unless there's, once again, some massive reset, which I don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetime. But I, that said, asset prices will keep going up. Uh, and I'm buying asset stocks and crypto. Uh, DCAing, obviously, you know, I want to be smart about it. But uh, And I'm just going to wait out the bear market, ready for the bull, and take the <clears throat> profits. Hey, Tony, when you talk about buying assets... <laughs> Um, are you buying things like real estate? Are you buying silver? Are you buying gold? Maybe are you, is that something you could share with us? Sure. So I do have gold. I, I do buy uh, some precious metals and uh, it's mostly crypto and, and stocks and so forth. Um, real estate, I do have an investment property, but I haven't really dabbled in that. Um, certainly, as I take more profits from, uh, let's say, crypto and so forth, I do plan to uh, dabble more in real estate. Awesome. awesome. And I'd love to put you on the spot here and just do a little rapid fire round because I do want to ask you about specific projects and just see what your overall opinion is. One of the first projects that catches my attention is that VeChain is a blockchain platform designed to enhance supply chain management and business process. Its goal is to streamline these processes and information flow for complex supply chains through the use of DLT. This is one of these coins where even though it's in the top 100 market cap, it's still relatively low. I believe it's below $5 billion. And when you talk about the real world use case, well, it's going to be far beyond that if it ever gets implemented. What are some of your thoughts on VeChain? I'm very bullish on VeChain. I've been on record saying I believe it's going to be one of the winners coming out of the crypto market. Now, of course, I could be wrong, but uh, I don't say that just because I hold the token and I want it to go to a dollar or whatever to make money. But I'm also looking at this from a, a business standpoint, same way I was looking at Google and eBay and whatever else, Amazon in, in the early 90s. Uh, with my friends. And I wish I had money back then. I could have <laughs> made a lot of money. But um, I see it as something that has sustainability and lasting potential and that could be implemented to solve a, a problem. So certainly bullish on VeChain. 
Awesome. Johnny Crypto or Gonzo, I'd love to hear if you guys have any comments on VeChain in particular. I love what they're doing with the supply chain. And we've got a global issue here because people want to create a one world global economy. I don't know if I totally agree with that, but if we do go in that direction, VeChain will play a role. Gonzo, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's the real world solve, right? We all see that we have a supply management problem and this is the fix for it. I, I think that like in, in like last year, there was a big hype like on, on Metaverse. And I think a lot of people thought that it was maybe going to be supply management, the V-chain was going to pop off and it really didn't. But I think it's something for the next cycle, right? Um, I, I think the real world solve will kick in. I, I know that V-chain tried to get into the NFTs and and I, I think they got wrapped up in, in the hype of, what the other blockchains were doing and they were trying to stay relevant and create a use case. But I think the biggest use case for them is that is supply management because it's such a problem. Right. And, and we know that that's part of, of what's hurting the economy right now is um, not only like the Fed raising rates, but it's the supply management thing. So I'm super bullish on VeChain. Yes. The next project I'd love to hear your thoughts on, Tony, is Hedera Hashgraph. I didn't even pull up an article for this because we got so many use cases. We know that the largest oil supplier in Africa is working on building a, an asset platform using Hedera. And that's just one of the many use cases that we can look towards on this network. We've got IBM. I think it's IBM and Google both being on the governing council, as well as Boeing and several other prominent names. What catches your attention with Hedera? And do you think this could be one of the most prominent currencies in the future, especially with the rollout of central bank digital currencies? Yeah, I mean, you're pulling up all my favorite coins here in my projects. <laughs> I am absolutely bullish on HBAR uh, and Hedera Hashgraph. Um, I, I had interviewed Mans Harmon, um, and it, it amazes me how they were able to get these enterprise level uh, folks to be part, uh, partner with them. And that alone makes me very bullish at the fact that you have, like you said, Google, Boeing's and so forth. Working with Hedera, I, I think you're going to have they're going to help to push the enterprise adoption and get through a lot of hurdles that many other projects may not be able to because you have the, the resources from a Google and an IBM and, and a Boeing and so forth. Yes. And there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and it was not crypto. It's not a cryptocurrency related, but we're looking at these exchanges and people are getting less. They're trusting these things less than ever before. We looked at Voyager collapse. We saw three capital collapse. What are you anticipating from an exchange standpoint? Do you trust these major exchanges like Coinbase? Because I think that's what most people out there are using right now. Yeah, I would say be very careful because, you know, really, I, I trusted Coinbase more than any other exchange. Um, you know, I've used them for years. I've seen them as a business mature, grow. They did an IPO and so forth. But then they put certain language that if they, you know, become insolvent or, or go to bankruptcy, they're going to take okay. your assets. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> no. Exactly. Yeah, so I, majority of my holdings are on hardware wallets, uh, uh, the um, uh, ledger, I have multiple ledger devices. I do have some crypto and exchanges where, where I swing trade, but it's not a lot. If, if I lose that, I'm, I'm not losing sleep. So uh, I would say get it off the exchange. And yes, there's times you're going to need to move it back. Yes, you may want to do some swing trading, but the majority of your long-term holdings, get it off the exchange. Johnny Crypto, do you have any comments on this Nexo news here? I know you. we were talking about it a couple nights ago. I'd love to just give you the floor, a chance to address this news. Nexo is looking to acquire Vlad. I know I pronounced that incorrectly. So please, Johnny, why don't you pronounce it correctly for me and give me your thoughts? So I think it's Vault. Um, but they, uh, you know, the thing I, I like about Nexo, so when, when Celsius was going under, Nexo was solvent and ready to come in and save them. And now Vault is going under Nexo. So it tells me that, you know, Nexo, and we've been talking about them on the show here. We, I've got coins there on Nexo. I love their platform. 
They pay reasonable. It's simple. I don't have to worry about going and staking and multiple different um, validators. I can just one one and done, right? I like simplicity. So <clears throat> um, I love seeing that while these other guys, I, I don't love seeing anything crash. What I mean is while they're crashing, I love seeing a company like Nexo that, that I have coins in, and I know a lot of our users have coins in, and I know you guys do too, um, is actually one of the strong ones out there and not the ones that are going under. I like seeing that they're ready to come in and buy. It tells me that they planned properly and they're sitting in a position where this is normal, by the way, guys. So, you know, I'm in technology, I'm in business. And what happens when you get a new business is everybody and their mother comes in and wants to play. And then what you realize is there's not enough shelf space for everybody to play. And so now a few of these guys get consolidated and eaten by the other big boys. And that's what you're going to see here. You're going to see the big players, the ones that survive, are going to eat up all these little guys because their technology is good. They just didn't do a proper job of setting up the businesses right or get the right partnerships or have the right connections. And so they go under, but their technology remains and these other companies buy them and then they deploy them. And that's kind of the feeling I'm getting from Nexo. It's like, hey, guys, we're ready. We're here. We did our shit right. We got our stuff uh, when we're ready to, to, to bring in some of these other companies and expand our business through the failures of others. And that's what I see Nexo. I think Nexo will be one of the few big, large survivors in the future of lending platforms in my opinion. And Johnny, and they're not only like, like you said, absorbing the technology, but they're absorbing the customer base. Right. Yes, the and so these guys, yeah. So these guys made better decisions, right. Didn't get themselves over leverage. And this is what happens in markets. It's not just specific to crypto, but when we go into through a cycle like this it is that the people that made better decisions or the better teams absorb those other teams. Amazing. Thank you, Gonzo. And we got 205 live listeners out there. Show us some love and smash that like button. We are going to continue to bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics on a daily basis. And we have a very special guest today. So I want to give a shout out to Tony. I want to say thank you again. But our last topic for today is actually a Flare update. Once an audit of the token distribution contracts gets the green light, Flare mainnet is due for a launch about one week later, which would be the 11th of July. And the 15% flare airdrop allocation made eight weeks from there would take place in September. Tony, forget about the airdrop. Let's talk about the real world implementation of the DeFi that flare is going to be providing loans, insurance, the list goes on and on. How do you feel about flare being a legitimate competitor to other DeFi projects in this market? I love it. I think competition's healthy. Um, it, it, you know, what they're proposing and what they're going to build, it certainly looks promising and will be a major competitor in the market. And, you know, the only thing I'm a little bit, you know, disappointed with, with is the timeline and execution. But I understand, you know, they have to do their due diligence and make sure things are working. But I think uh, I've been trying to get Hugo back on the show, Phil Filion, and, uh, you know, talk about this. I know they've been busy, heads down. Um, so I, I've kind of not been paying as much attention as I was historically, just because of the timelines and so forth. But I'm still holding, you know, the distribution of certain tokens. I'm still looking forward to the distribution of this. And hopefully, you know, some of these exchanges out there will, um, uh, you know, distribute their tokens to the, to the XRP holders. Because I know that was a big yeah. point for a lot of folks. Yeah. And Tony, I think you bring up, a, a, you know, a good point on that. And will they, you know, for me, I've just lost all faith in it. To me, it's like the boy that's cried wolf too many times. So now we'll just wait and see what happens. But what I love about this show is I love interacting with the audience. So guys... If you're willing to sell your blood type, I think there are people out there. I never had thought about this. I love our audience. You guys are the best. So, Tony, if you want to put up your blood type and sell it, I, you know you know what the reality is? 
This is going to be true. People are going to sell their blood. as Johnny, didn't you hear that Tony was in the crypto market in 2016? I don't think he needs to sell his blood anytime soon. But <laughs> You're right. Nope. You're right. I would love to give Tony a chance to just tell our listeners where they can find some of your content and maybe some of the things that you discuss on your channel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, thank you guys for having me. And and my channel is Thinking Crypto. I'm on all podcast sites. I'm on YouTube, on Twitter, of course. And, um, you know, some folks may not know, I do work for OKCoin Crypto Exchange. I left my regular job uh, last last year. Yes, uh, I almost forgot what year it was. Uh, last year, and I made the big plunge into go to go full time in crypto. Happy I did. Uh, I'm passionate about the technology. I'm bullish on the future of crypto. And, uh, you know, just if you guys are, this is your first bear market, hang in there, study the market cycles, study the charts, and that will help you to navigate, uh, you know, what's happening in this asset class. A hundred percent, Tony. And one of the things that we always talk about is the value of a community during times like this. And we have one of the best communities in the crypto space at the 3T Warrior Academy with Coach JV. You get access to our entire team. We do weekly portfolio updates. We have tons of weekly meetings interacting with you guys educating you on the space behind the scenes. We're not going to come out and say, hey, $12 ADA price target, right? We're going to talk about the real utility being built on these blockchains and how that's going to change our world forever. But we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to every single one of our guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Conzo. And thank you to Tony, aka Thinking Crypto. Hopefully this is the first of many collaborations in the future. And we're going to close it off the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us today. Let's go. Let's go. I love Johnny. Great show, guys. Awesome.